0: Talk about the game, Sam. Who so. cares about what people think about us? Yeah, I like football. I like football season and all the things that go with it. So, back here with Sam Monson. We are live here on YouTube. Thanks to everybody for tuning in to our midweek show, where we just talk about whatever whatever's happening Mm -hmm. and there are some things happening in the nfl
1: live on youtube and not live in your audio podcast destination of choice
0: you're also live there yeah no we're not live there well now if you're listening to us i mean live to tape (laughs) live to tape for you anyway we're going to be talking uh, all sorts of stuff we'll touch on the raiders uh john gruden issue lamar jackson because we didn't get to we don't always get to recap monday night football there's pretty special performance by lamar on monday night football talk seahawks and russell wilson what they're going to do preview thursday night football bucks eagles but first, we have a very special offer for everybody. So you need to listen up. We have our own promo code, Sam. Yeah. For PFF products, we can give anybody 25% off. Don't tell don't tell everybody. It's a special thing, but 25% yeah, off. Do tell everybody. Okay, you want you yeah, do yeah. want this cuz we can actually we can give it to everybody that's listening. 25% off any PFF subscription. You use the promo code NFLPOD. N F L P O D. That's our own special promo code and it's just for you just for our listeners and viewers
1: yeah we get credit when you sign up so use yeah. this one
0: and uh we're all about credit here <laughs> at pff we need the credit so even if you listen to other podcasts don't use their promo no. codes use ours yeah nfl pod nfl pod if you were if you've been waiting if you've been on the fence to get a pff subscription feels like a perfect time 25 percent off you get that 365 days of access and it's uh, nfl pod for 25 percent off all right let's go around uh some nfl news here well we're gonna do the housekeeping first let's do all of our housekeeping Got to let's do go the ahead. housekeeping start let's go ahead
1: so charity update um we are we smashed through our goal we are right now at thirty four hundred and twenty dollars of a two thousand dollar goal so it's definitely happening um we need to sort out start planning this whole thing figure out when we're doing all this sort of stuff a metal bat has arrived Yet to be opened but it is it's in hand sort of it's we down. need to do
0: this like within the next couple weeks here before it gets cold yeah i want to do it outdoors mm-hmm. on a real mound so i'm going to get that we'll get a destination we'll get it'll get it all sorted
1: yeah so a metal bat from our friends at stinger has arrived going to open that a thing location, up we of, will have a wooden location. one as well that has our logo and the charity's logo just for a display a cool thing to have um but yeah we're, we're up and running the the link will stay open there's still time to raise money for to stop animals getting destroyed. You know, people giving back pets that they got during COVID and the lockdown and now just trying to get rid of them because they don't have time for them. A lot of those dogs get destroyed, dogs, cats, whatever. that's sad. So this, the Best Friends Animal Society is striving against that, trying to prevent any animals getting destroyed. So raise money, we've got 3,420. We're gonna try and get as much as humanly possible. And if you wanna wait until you see how many times I get hit with a ball, that's fine too. But you know, make sure you donate for that because the pain will be real. That's the money you what should PFF be people to. are
0: doing, right? yes Depending on it. how much you get hit, how often you get hit, they'll uh they'll add money.
1: Yeah, which feels harsh, but okay, if that's the way you want to go, that's fine. Um and then the other thing we want to do is get some emails from you. So pod uh, com. send us those emails um because we use them to create some of the show, uh, particularly the Wednesday show. Um we have and, an
0: email actually or we have a question from a viewer later yeah, that we're going to answer too.
1: Right. Um, so, we get some really good emails from you guys. Keep sending them. We love getting your email. So, Podcast at pff.com is the email to send
0: us stuff. I mean, that's the theme here. We appreciate everybody. We get to give you your own discount on PFF subscriptions using NFL Pod. And we always appreciate the emails because uh, we like interaction on the show. So, um, we got to touch on the Raiders thing at least a little bit. Mm-hmm. I don't think we need to, I'm not going to spend a ton of time on it, but John Gruden is out. As Raiders head coach, a bunch of emails came out. Uh, Every other network's going to be talking about this and having their own opinions and takes. Do you have an initial thought on it? Do we want to look at what the what's happening with the Raiders going forward? What are your initial thoughts here?
1: Um, Well, the first initial thought was, I mean, yeah, he he had to go, and he went. He even he saw that once the scope of this was coming out in its full entirety that his position was untenable and he resigned rather than, you know, having to wait till it was discipline or whatever was going on. So, yeah, even if you're of the opinion that, hey, look, everybody somewhere in their digital footprint, whether it's email, whether it's text, whether it's WhatsApp messages, somewhere, like this was circulated around with the Richie Incognito bullying stuff years ago as well. Like there's an idea that every single human being has got something somewhere in their their private messages, private quote unquote that if it was made public would get them fired or disciplined or whatever. Even if you're of the opinion that that is true, they don't complete like the set. They don't hit, you know, insult bingo. They don't manage to t- tag every human being in the world and just light them on fire the insult way- Insult bingo? Yeah, yeah. The way Gruden's emails appear to us. So even by that yeah. standards, what he did and what he put down was way over the line. And there's really no defending that. I think it's- it feels like a waste of time and effort to try and do it. So it happened. It's whether and whatever the motivations of where those leaks were coming from, it's done. Gruden's been got and he's out. So now you've got the Raiders who are without a head coach, Mike Mayock still in situ, and a season that was beginning to wobble anyway after such a good start um, now is, is kind of really up in the air.
0: Yeah, I'm interested in the the Mayock angle here because he he joined Gruden was after year one, right, for um, Gruden's tenure there.
1: The Reggie McKenzie relationship soured. Right. And then they moved him off and uh, And, moved him out and got uh, Mayock in.
0: And we spent so much of our time the whole offseason talking team building, talking strategy, what do you do here, free agency and the whole thing. And Gruden had a lot of power in that area. We don't know how much Mike Mayock really had as far as power, the player evaluation part of it. We've also spoken here, the Raiders had a chance to completely reshape their organization from a football standpoint a couple of years ago because of the Khalil Mack trade, because of all of those first round picks. And they really have not hit on a first round pick. And the early returns on Alex Leatherwood this year aren't great, but it's really fine. But they haven't hit on any of these first round picks, including Josh Jacobs, how, whatever, however you wanted to define hit or miss, They drafted a running back where even if Jacobs is great it's not moving the needle enough to justify it so that would be what I'm curious about here is is Mayock going to be the guy going forward will he continue to have power and what does that what does that look like for the Raiders well
1: certainly short term there's a power there's a shift in the dynamic because Gruden had final say Gruden had ultimate power in all of these things now Mayock has has that Um, it might only be for a short term thing Until they hire a new head coach or even if he survives that but for the moment for the first time in his tenure with the raiders mike mayock actually has final say on all the things that a gm typically has final say on so you know he it feels like he was probably going to get made a scapegoat if things went south and there was some blame needed to be thrown somewhere because gruden was sitting there with a 10-year contract you know the the talent hasn't the talent acquisition hasn't gone well so let's blame blame the GM blame the talent guy keep on trucking with everything else now like Mayock has a chance to be like well I never had say on any of this stuff final say you know this is how I want to do things you know give me a while to I'll I'll go find your next head coach for you and give me a chance to actually run this thing the way a GM typically does so I'm curious to see if Mike Mayock actually gets a shot to do the job that he's been hired for or if He was only ever, you know, a right-hand man for John Gruden, and they're going to completely clean house within the organization.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. I want to see what that looks like. So far, the Raiders right now, if you just have premium stats 2.0, which you can get for 25% off now using the NFL pod promo code. uh, Raiders are 14th in our overall grades, and we've discussed quite a bit about the rejuvenation on the defensive side of the ball from a pass rush and coverage standpoint. uh, I want to give the Raiders credit from a team-building standpoint. We've done this before, too, but... uh, Casey Hayward, maybe the best free agent addition so far this offseason. Yannick Ngakwe has been fantastic. Nate Hobbs has been a fantastic uh, fifth-round pick at corner who has stepped into that system, played the slot extremely well. So uh, even though we didn't love a lot of what they've done defensively, so far so good, I would say, for the Raiders. I also wonder how much – supposedly they knew a lot about this, the emails. They knew something on Friday that things were going to be coming out. And I asked, I mean, I think I I was at a loss for words when I was like, what happened to the Raiders on Monday morning? I do wonder how much, you know, this was uh, an issue, distraction, or whatever you want to call it, for their performance last week against the Bears.
1: Yeah, I mean, it kind of helped, right? I don't know how much of an impact it actually had, but it, it, it certainly wasn't going to help whatever they were trying to do. Um, PFF's power rankings right now has them at 19th. They're right around a bunch of other teams that kind of started off hot and then collapsed <laughs> like over the last couple of weeks. So Denver are there, uh, Carolina are in the same kind of area, the Colts, who we expected to be better. Like, that's the sort of the, the area where all these teams that flattered to deceive but have since hit stony ground reside. And like the Raiders have got some challenges now over the next few weeks to try and right the ship.
0: <clears throat> because it's Wednesday and we can just go wherever we want with these things. By the way, uh, Eric Eager, he put in one of our chats, this is the first time the Chiefs have not been... Atop the power rankings since when was it late 2019? Long time ago, yeah. Uh, because remember, in 2019, remember they won the Super Bowl, and this is this is why when when you emotionally react to everything that you see from a, is this team good, not good standpoint, you, you kind of miss the boat here. Of all the Mahomes seasons. The year that they won the Super Bowl was probably the most uneven one, right? Like, he got hurt during the season. It looks like they might lose it. They, they lost some games that they definitely should have won. And then the Chiefs, you know, they go on their run and they win the Super Bowl. That was the last time that they were not sitting atop the PFF power rankings. And the Buffalo Bills are the new number one tied, or they're tied with the, uh, with the Tampa Bay Bucs. Um, both teams who are scheduled to play later in the season, by the way. Um, but the new power rankings, Bucks and Bills, number one. The Chiefs are, t- are a third, and the uh, Baltimore Ravens are now fourth, in part because Lamar Jackson balling out on, uh, on Monday Night Football against the Indianapolis Colts. What do you think of that Lamar performance? Just did not miss in the second half. Incredible comeback by the Ravens.
1: Yeah, he was really good, Right up, in other, other than the random fumble at the one-yard line, which is like the third or fourth time he's done that in yeah. recent memory.
0: That, that is the one thing, because he's, he's already getting a lot of MVP hype. We'll talk about his credentials so far. He has fumbled to lose, pretty much, to, he lost the game, however you want to look at it, but his fumble in overtime lost the week one game against the Raiders. He had another fumble late in that game, and he had this fumble at the one yard line against the Colts. Like All that stuff's rolled into this evaluation, and that's why Lamar's PFF run grade, even though when he runs it, he's great, the fumbles are baked into that, so he's right. not an elite runner from a grading standpoint. And right
1: those now. are like such huge high leverage plays. Like that, that play, um, very almost but for a ridiculous interpretation of the rule that play very almost was a 14-point swing like it was right
0: right. running it it in from the one-yard
1: line to they returned it all the way for a touchdown now they took the touchdown off the board when they decided that the the lateral went forward um but that was that play like fumbling the ball away which by the way was not like nobody forced it he just tried to switch hands and lost the handle like that play almost was a complete 14-point swing in a game that i mean that's huge that's as big as it gets
0: he also had a ton of plays in that game uh as much as i like to say the mobile quarterback doesn't help your offensive line it felt like in that game there were a lot of games or there were a lot of plays where he should have been sacked and he was yeah. maneuvering the pocket and not getting sacked and uh, he saved a lot of plays as well
1: where are you by the way on that lateral rule do you want to go rugby rule or do you want to keep it the way the nfl does it
0: all right i this might take a while let's get it the colts lost a game or lost a touchdown because of (laughs) physics they ended up getting it but they did physics yeah because of physics we'll talk about it in a second another week of the nfl season does mean another shot to win big at DraftKings sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the nfl new customers can bet just one dollar on any nfl game and win a hundred dollars in free bets if either team scores a point that's right if either team scores a point the last zero zero tie in the nfl was in 1943 so it's a no-brainer if Sportsbook's not yet available in your state, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest, and DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code PFF. Throw down $1 on any NFL game, win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. It's pretty simple. That's promo code PFF. This week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit. And $1 wager required. One per customer restrictions. Apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. So what happened on the pitch? You have two people moving Mm -hmm. through space. One guy tosses it backwards. Mm -hmm. But because of the momentum of him running forward, the touch point from the throw... To the actual touch point of when the other, his teammate, Darius Leonard, throws it to Isaiah Rogers. When Rogers touched it, technically the ball moved forward. I I think that should have been considered a lateral. I think the player should throw it backwards in relation to where they are.
1: So rugby has been did. dealing with this for years because it happens obviously a this lot is more. Like your time to shine. That's your here. standard pass, your right? Your time to shine. So rugby has essentially determined that if the ball travels backwards out of the player's hand, That's what I would do. It's backwards even if the ball itself travels forwards yes. between being caught to the next guy. That's what I would and do. And I think the thing is, it's easier to hide in rugby because the, the 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 lines, there's only like four of them on the field, right? So the chances of the ball like crossing a line when a guy passes it are fairly small. Whereas in the NFL, there's obviously a yard marker every yard and it's way more obvious when the ball does actually travel forwards. Um, so they picked up on it like pretty soon, even though like there aren't that many laterals that happen. But I think that's a better way of doing it, right? Like if you pitch it backwards, it's a lateral, even if your momentum actually carries the ball forwards. That's just the way it should be, right? It went backwards relative to the other guy that was trying to catch it. So it's it's good, all fair.
0: So you think it was fine?
1: i think they should let go, it go rugby rules yeah i don't think you should call it a forward pass even if it travels what does the forwards. rule say
0: because if, again if you say the player has to throw it backwards yeah that's what darius liner did he threw it backwards yes and then physics brought it forward yes dang fix it physics damn physics so uh I yeah new physics
1: sucked i don't know i haven't actually looked at what the, the wording is in the nfl rule book but like rugby specifically introduced the phrase like
0: backwards out of the hand to solve that problem backwards out of the hand i think I, li- I like that that's the way to do it um going back to lamar and the again i always joke if you if you have a great game on prime time boom mvp you know it's it's just you 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 vaults to the top of the mvp race lamar may have deserved it though after this one so he's up to number six in overall pff qb grades 87.2 passing grade that's uh also i think sixth in the nfl fifth in the nfl right now um traditional stats are up there Again, his run grade is down, not because he hasn't been great at running. It's because he's fumbled the ball too much. But what a finish statistically. 37 for 43 for 442 yards and four touchdowns. And and that includes in overtime, they drive down and score a touchdown.
1: The most important thing, I think, for Lamar the last couple of weeks is we have now seen a few games in fairly rapid succession where they have been put in situations where he needed to pass. Mm -hmm. And not just like needed to pass off the back of all the running stuff they do. Like obvious pass down situations where he just had to drop back and pass the football. There was no, you know, faking the run. There was no uh, play action. None of the complex stuff that hides or kind of creates these open throws. They just said the offense right now is you in a drop back passing system. And in the past, that's when the wheels have fallen off. And you get all those Lamar haters saying, well, if he could just pass the ball, he'd be a great quarterback. But since he can't, we know it's only a matter of time before they come unstuck against a good team in the playoffs and he's not, he's not a Mahomes, he's not a whatever. But for the last few weeks, we've seen Lamar put in those situations where things have gone south before and he's risen to the task. He has passed the ball well. He has not had to, had to hide behind all the various tricks that that offense does He's just been a drop-back quarterback in addition to being able to take off and scramble and make big plays whenever you don't pay attention to it. That's huge for him.
0: So I'll tell you what I like here. Um, for those who follow analytics Twitter and football Twitter and the whole thing, you you are inundated with just a sea of people screaming, go for this fourth down, go for this fourth down, and run more play action, run more play action, and all these things, right? Right. And it's kind of like this first level of here are some things that smart teams should do. And as you hear Brandon Staley from the Chargers, the head coach, which by the way, this is going to be a great matchup this week, Chargers and Ravens. But we we talked about Brandon Staley's interviews, right? Where he's kind of like on our side with a lot of those things. What happened in baseball years ago was the first thing that people were screaming from an analytics standpoint was on base percentage over batting average. It was like, look at this stat, not that stat. And at some point, everybody caught up to that. So the point I want to make here, the Ravens have been this forward-looking team. They were early on the fourth down decisions. They're early on all this stuff. I think the latest analytical edge that they are looking at here, as everybody else catches up to going for fourths and all that stuff, is just chucking it down the field. And so here's your analytics. Throw the ball down the field. This is what's happening this year with Lamar. Average depth of target of 11, which is insane. I mean, that's bigger than Jameis's biggest years, and Jameis is that guy that's always been – throwing the ball down the field this ha- this happened in college a little bit i always talk about the baylor offense in college where they said they created a run game and then they spread the ball they spread the field so far and they just started chucking it down the field they said we're gonna make everybody c- you cover my fast receivers one-on-one and we're gonna run goes and curls but the goes are what and if we go one for four on a go ball we have moved we flipped the field Right, And I think that is part of the Ravens' strategy. And I have more stats for it, but I want to get your thoughts on this is the edge that they're attacking this year. And 11
1: is way down. Like this past game, pulled 11.
0: Down from where he was. It was up over
1: 12. yeah. And the only quarterback we've ever seen above 12 for a season was Michael Vick back in 2006. Um, I think there's definitely something to the idea of if you do certain other things well— you can have a, an incredibly aggressive downfield passing attack as your primary passing system. I don't know that it necessarily works if you don't do a bunch of other things well. So Baltimore is good enough and efficient enough in the run game that you can do that as a, as a pr- uh, primary strategy. In particular, you also have the scrambling threat of Lamar Jackson as well, where there's going to be a bunch of plays where the, the deep bomb isn't there or something breaks down. Lamar takes off and converts the, f- the first down anyway. Um, if you don't have that, like if you just had a statue-like pocket passer and that was your system, we are going deep every single opportunity and that guy's no real threat to pick it up, I don't know if we're yet there where those plays are efficient enough that you can do that and nothing else and still have an incredibly efficient offense. But I think with Lamar, which is the story of his entire NFL career, he is u- unique enough of an athlete that you can do radically different things to everybody else because nobody else can match nobody else can replicate the player that you have back there doing that now maybe you know Arizona with Kyler Murray could do something similar there's a couple of players now that might be able to execute a similar style of game plan but Lamar it's perfect
0: yeah in this particular game against the Colts it was completely different the Colts played a lot of zone and the comeback was a lot of underneath stuff Lamar making just decision after decision accurate pass after accurate pass and moving the chains including you know he did have a bomb to Marquise Brown so this game was different against this Colts zone heavy defense I just think it's interesting overall this average depth of target of 11 he's averaging 9.1 yards per attempt that's about a yard and a half better than his MVP season yard and a half man I mean just in um and again it might lead if you do this over time it might lead to a few more three and outs it might lead but it also if you hit on one of those it, it just immediately puts you into field goal range, right? When you hit a big-time throw, it's a, I forget the exact numbers, but I ran it a couple of years ago. When you hit on a big-time throw, you're, you score 60 70% of your drives, right? It's just one big-time throw, and it does feel like the Ravens are taking more of those shots, but also integrating all these receivers into the mix here. When, uh, Sammy Watkins, a little banged up now, but Sammy Watkins and his speed, Marquise Brown's speed. We'll see what happens with Rashad Bateman coming back. Uh, but their playmaker situations also, I think the best that they've had for lamar yeah. and they're, they're taking advantage of that too so there's a lot of good things i think the ravens are doing um but yeah my big takeaway with this colts game and a couple other games this year was when they had to pass right they when they it wasn't relying on the run game i think they're showing they can win in different ways which is our biggest question for the ravens every year
1: and that's a key point that they've been they've been succeeding with this pass obvious passing situation offense despite not having bateman like bateman was the guy that was potentially supposed to transform what they were doing on offense from a passing point of view, and he hasn't played yet. Like in theory, the ceiling could be even higher for what they're doing.
0: Uh, We already answered the MVP question. By the way, can we give full disclosure on the daily? We we do have to record those a little bit before they come out. So we didn't add Lamar to our daily MVP discussion the other day that was posed as, is Justin Herbert the MVP leader? You know, I think Herbert's in the mix. Don't sleep on Tom Brady, our highest graded quarterback, who's been fantastic this year. Lamar's in the mix. Kyler Murray, absolutely in the mix. Maybe Derrick Henry, but uh, we did answer a lot of the MVP questions on uh, Tuesday morning. Tom Brady, on the daily.
1: Tom Brady's overall PFF grade is three points higher than any other quarterback, and which is the higher pretty significant. The scale, at this point right, in the season, the higher you go on the scale, the harder it is to get three points higher than anybody else. Yeah. So for Brady to be at ninety three point four and nobody else to be above 90.3, I would find it pretty hard to give the MVP award to anybody else. He's also the only quarterback above 90 from a passing grade standpoint. Russell Wilson's at 89.5, Kirk Cousins at 88. Then you're Herbert, 87.6, 87.2 for Lamar. Um, Like Brady is just far and away the best graded player. And even in the loss to the Rams where everything kind of went south, Brady played well.
0: Yeah, he still played pretty well in that game, and don't worry because it's, it's all about primetime games, and he has one against the Eagles, which we'll preview later in the show.
1: It almost feels like Thursday shouldn't count as prime
0: time. Yeah, Thursday's not always prime time. It's not, it's not like the, the real bright lights. It's prime
1: at, time, but it's not prime day. You know? It's not
0: prime day, that's right. But it is football season, baby, And you know what that means. <laughs> I'm just reading what they tell me It yeah. means we're going for two here with the sponsors of today's show. It's Manscaped. Blitzing through hairs has never been easier, and it's time for you to join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by using promo code PFF at manscaped.com. 20% off plus free shipping. That's what you get. It's three and out the window with all other trimmers. Now go tame that wildcat offense. That's right. We've been here since the beginning with the lawnmower. The 4.0 is special. Lawnmower 4.0. It's brand new. It's here to take your defense to the next level. This fourth-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents. Thanks to their advanced skin-safe technology, I love that they've got the trademark on all of this stuff. How can anybody compete with Manscaped? The Lawnmower 4.0 is a 7,000 RPM motor, new multifunction on/off switch that can engage a travel lock, and it gives you the ability to turn the 4,000 LED, 4,000K 4, LED spotlight on, on and off when you need a more precise shave. And uh, what everybody has been commenting on and real fans of is the fact that it's waterproof. So uh, any kind of weather doesn't really matter the one uh, more 4.0 is always going to work
1: i mean that's the game changer really like too you many they times, know what the
0: marketing the key, uh, keys are here
1: i can't tell you how many times i've been ready to shave my nuts in the rain and you just you can't it's just right. no there's no trimmer that'll do that there was no trimmer that could do it now until there
0: the, is a good product solves pain points what a weight off my mind that is your pain point is solved here and there's no 15 yard penalty for this clipping
1: no, no, there's none.
0: You get 20% off and free shipping with the code PFF at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. They also have a cool, all bunch of other stuff over there too, but use the promo code PFF and uh, stiff arm your pubes out of the playoffs this year with Manscaped. That's what you're going to do. If you're on YouTube here, don't forget to give that thumbs up because I just gave a great <laughs> Manscaped read. The thumbs up is for the great Manscaped read. Our sponsors of today's show look very presidential. You get to speak
1: with Like them. a tight thumb, you can't. Yeah.
0: tight yeah this is how you they definitely learn that in like speaking school and stuff right there, yeah right yeah
1: the tight thumb
0: when you're making a making a point I had teachers used to always do that professors teachers they got to all learn from the same way mm-hmm. just like baseball umpires they always run with their elbows really high just like the, the option guys i had
1: a teacher once that had like perfected the art of clapping so that it made like a sonic boom rather than just a normal clap oh i can do and that and he used to like wander yeah you know the aisles of the the class, do that. and then if you weren't paying attention, right? If you'd like dazed off and were daydreaming and staring off into space, you would come like right up behind your head and just, oh, bam, oh, right no. next to your ear, and just like burst eardrums on you. It wasn't fun.
0: Yeah, that doesn't sound fun. Enough.
1: Particularly because you know you I should have stuck
0: with the tight thumb discussion. <laughs> I
1: was known to daydream from time to time. <laughs> daydream.
0: Not enough coffee back in your university days, whatever. No,
1: like uh, like school, school, high uh, school. High school type day
0: how did i function without coffee as a kid i don't I, know
1: when you a kid you like, have like a natural caffeine you don't need that stuff you're just yeah.
0: wired anyway all right let's talk uh do you have any other thoughts on uh lamar are we on to russ
1: i think we can be on to russ i mean we, lamar is playing incredibly right now he i think the most important thing for his game is the fact that he has demonstrated that area that he hadn't really tapped into before which is look when this offense isn't functioning great and look that's the other point to raise that All the things from last year that we were concerned about, the offensive line is not what it used to be. The receiving weapons are not what they could be. Um, The scheme, you know, maybe has started to get figured out a little bit. All those things still exist. And all of a sudden it doesn't matter because Lamar is actually executing in the disadvantageous situation. So even though Ali Villanueva is out there just hemorrhaging pressure, the lowest graded player on that offensive line just take
0: out his week one game when you're doing that okay? I did
1: I checked I what went and looked I was like oh how much of that was just that one bad game? no it's bad
0: I'm not here to overreact to five weeks
1: so look even though Villanueva is out there you know Olaying the defensive ends and sending the pass rush at him he's still able to execute and be fine
0: um one other point I want to make we always discuss it's not it's not linear growth all the time Lamar was not he was not better last year than he was the previous year mm-hmm. but he if you look at this year versus a couple years ago there are elements of his game that I think he's getting better at you know he is getting a little bit better I also don't want to overreact to just you know the last couple of games he struggled a little bit as a passer weeks 1 and 2 against the Raiders and the Chiefs
1: the one last point to bring up by the way is that you know we've made this point for a while now Baltimore's schedule gets pretty ugly down the stretch right so they've they've got a few more games to build up build up some wins because the final seven or so get kind of tough not unwinnable tough but you know it's going to get more difficult
0: and it's huge that they you know they pulled out the lions game they pulled out this colts game it is huge that they've gotten to four and one here
1: like if you look at their to date they've had the 23rd most difficult schedule so pretty easy and down the stretch they have the ninth most difficult so they flip from having a reasonably easy start to the year to having a pretty tough one
0: and as I'm looking at that, for the people that are overreacting to the Chiefs, they've had the second most difficult schedule to date, the Chiefs.
1: Yeah, so. and these are on PFF's power rankings. So if you go to pff.com, the betting tab at the top, and then down to tools, NFL power rankings, you can see all this data.
0: And all those things are fluid, right? Because we learn more about teams every week and you get, and it's all fluid. Yep. Uh, let's go to the Seahawks here. How screwed are they? Uh, very <laughs> Geno screwed. Geno Smith, take it over for us. Very
1: screwed, yes. I mean, look, nobody leans on their quarterback as much as the Seahawks do with Russell Wilson even though they're kind of even though they're in this weird world of you know not trusting him 100% they need him to do what he does and if they don't have him and they have to turn to Gino who looked okay by the way yeah, in, he when fine. he came in it still feels like they're just they don't have enough everywhere else like Russell Wilson has a 90 grade uh, two guys on the roster outside of Russell Wilson are above 80 and everybody else is various shades of you know not great that now has to function with Gino as your quarterback which
0: just feels like a tough sell they're two and three even if russ is there we're still talking about man the seahawks are two and three in this tough division and the, the the point differential's negative right now because the defense is rough i mean they're i'm skeptical if they can make the playoffs with russ right same
1: now. The, so to me the most interesting thing is okay the seahawks have no russ they're probably screwed what happens though if Geno comes in and looks reasonably good and the offense doesn't suffer a massive drop-off because there's a couple what-ifs for you because i i speculated or we talked about this a little bit before the season which is i don't think it's as easy as people are saying to just you know let russ cook hashtag right because what does that actually look like what what russ is best at is those deep uh high risk high reward moonball passes that create touchdowns out of nothing But, and also, you know, extending plays and running around behind the line of scrimmage and creating a window that wasn't there with the play design. The problem with that is that every single quarterback in the NFL, including Russell Wilson, is worse under pressure than they are when kept clean over any extended period of time. So your game plan can't be to basically say, Russ, take the ball, have a seven-step drop, do whatever the hell it is you like doing back there, and then find a dude to hit a bomb to because it'll happen every now and again. And when it happens, it's great, but it's just less efficient than operating a normal offense the way everybody else does it. It isn't It isn't a good way of functioning, right? Even if it works, it's leaving meat on the bone, do something else. But if that's how Russ works, like if that's where he's happiest, where is the balance point between leaning into letting Russ be Russ or trying to set him up in, you know, ways that make the entire offense more efficient? So there's a weird world where Geno Smith comes in, is a functionally more uh, prototypical quarterback in terms of how he plays the game. And the offense as a whole becomes easier to operate because they're taking the easier stuff that Russell Wilson often eschews and goes
0: for the deep shot. It's an interesting thought. I I do think these few weeks could – could end up de- uh, is, is this too much Is this too extreme it determines russ's future in seattle these next few weeks uh, I because just, if they struggle because you're 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 painting an optimistic picture
1: well people have already been making the joke of like what if what if now like even at, like out of spite what if pete carroll now starts to call the good place right they've been screwing russ for years and now with a different quarterback they start well now that we've got a different quarterback we have to call all the good stuff otherwise we don't have no shot and they start calling these good plays and Geno Smith looks good. I I think though that the more like, I think that there might be a kernel of truth in that, but it's couched in bullshit. So what if instead of like, oh, now we can break out the really good plays we've just been putting to the side, because Russ is the quarterback. What if the motivation is essentially, now we have a quarterback who doesn't excel at the crazy high variance stuff that nobody is good at except Russell Wilson. Um, and we actually have to have a more conventional offense which is just a more effective way of playing offense so you end up in the same place right but by a completely different motivation and like way of doing it but the point being like what if this isn't as big a drop off at quarterback as people are expecting it to to be not because Gino is not a way worse quarterback than Russ because let me be clear what are the secret
0: plays though man i mean I,
1: I that's what i mean like people are saying they've got like you know some crazy awesome plays that they just aren't running but what they're if just it's always just...
0: going to pass on early down right. like, but oh, what they're... if it's just
1: they they have more quick game stuff on first down and they make everybody's life easier because you're picking up seven yards on a you know on a slant combination on first down instead of running the ball into the teeth of the defense like my point is simply there is a massive gulf between russell wilson and Geno smith as quarterbacks. But what if the production from the offense isn't as massive as people, as that should produce? What does that even tell you about Russell Wilson going forward?
0: I mean, look, if, if that is the case, then I don't think Seattle's itching to get rid of Russell Wilson, but I think it's, you know, we could get to the offseason again where he's unhappy, right? And he wants to get traded. And maybe if you're Seattle, you're more likely to move on. And okay, we've seen the world without Russ. We could probably find a better quarterback than Geno Smith. To run our offense but we had we had success with Gino for four to six weeks or whatever that looks like I'm more inclined that maybe it goes the other way and Seattle appreciates Russ a little bit more that's also possible here's my one concern Geno Smith average time to throw 3.05 seconds so about three seconds in his career that's career wise and uh for the thousandth time the reminder and I see this on Twitter a lot when people say time to throw that's not the time that the offensive line gave the quarterback that is the time the quarterback spent Holding the ball. He dictates this number. Geno Smith holds the ball longer than most quarterbacks. Usually the people, though, that are in this three, second range, are guys like Russ, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes. Not a, Mahomes has a balance because they have a lot of quick game, but he'll on third downs he'll hold it long. Guys who are going to scramble, Lamar, Josh Allen, guys who are going to scramble, make things happen. Geno Smith is not that guy. Um, because of that, he'll, he'll, I'm worried about him behind the Seattle offensive line. Right? yeah which isn't great it's not it's not as bad as it's been during russ's time in seattle so we
1: but in, it's it, not great if you go to pff premium stats which you can get for 25 percent off if nfl
0: pod nfl that, pod
1: that promo code um we have the the sort of overall average time to throw number which as you say is skewed by quarterbacks that run around and like to scramble and those kinds of things so right now nobody's taking longer than trey lance at 3.4 seconds essentially which is an eternity that's it. A- um, crazy number lamar jackson at 3.14 um then you get i mean zach wilson is there which is its own problem but we also have it broken down and have just the times to attempt so strip out the plays where they're scrambling and therefore taking a bunch of time before you cross the line of scrimmage and just look at the the plays where the ball eventually gets passed an eventual pass attempt and everybody drops below three seconds but you get a you get a better picture of who's just taking an eternity with the ball in their hands without having it skewed by running around and, and eventually taking off and scrambling. It's still a lot of the same people. Yeah. But I'm just saying you can tidy
0: it up a little bit with you that can. number, and you can use it in premium stats. So I, I've got some c- concerns about Geno. I just wonder if, if this if this is a disaster for Seattle. If they're like, okay, we definitely can't let we can't move on from Russ. We're never going to trade him. He's our guy forever. Or if they do have some success to your point um, and what does this new offense look like I mean again I keep thinking Pete Carroll is going to go back to this we gotta, we gotta run the ball more uh, I don't know what this offense looks like Gino's not a great quick game guy either you know so and I don't think they're built for it to be honest they are built to even though DK Metcalf's running a different route tree this year but they're best off creating big plays with him big plays with Tyler Lockett um, and then working the underneath stuff with their new additions D. Eskridge and Gerald Everett. I think they could be built
1: for it though. Like they're just they just haven't been. Like that it that could is be. a receiving yeah. core that seems anything. to be perfectly functional to me uh, with quick game stuff. And it, I always come back to this idea of remember when for like the first half decade of Andrew Luck's career, it was all it was a lot like the Russell Wilson thing. It was like Andrew Luck, we don't have to worry about everything because Luck will make it happen, and we let him drop back, we let him find the play, and we let him make something special happen. And then there was one year where they just went, you know what, you're going to get the ball out of your hands lightning quick, and we're going to see how that works. And A, Luck was perfect, because that was the narrative as well. Like, ah, Luck's just not really a quick game kind of quarterback. It's not really his style. Like, as soon as you... Until they let him do it. Right, until you went, look, this is what we're doing. Suck it up. You're going to start firing the ball out of your hands lightning quick. And he was amazing at it. And if anything, you know, people have talked about this before. Like, part of these easier throws and quicker throws, it's it's like a mental break for the quarterback. You're not asking him to do as much, like yeah. it's easier. You don't have to be operating at the same level as you do when you're trying to figure out if this 40 yard bomb is gonna split the safeties or if there's a, a disguise in the back end. It's like, look up, see if it's open, hit it. Um, and they, we talk about that with the run game as well. Like Brandon Staley made that point with the run game, that it's a complete break for the quarterback, which is important. Like the idea of integrating a lot of quick game stuff to the offense, I think has benefits that should be apparent. And yet they haven't done it with with Russell Wilson, but what we don't know is if they have tried to do it or if like, you know, have they simply not given him the option and instruction to do more of this stuff? Or have they been trying to do that and Russell Wilson stylistically skews away from that stuff anyway? And there's a bunch of like, you know, the way in week one, we were like, well, the Cowboys barely ran at all. And then Kellen Moore was like, we called 14 runs that Dak checked out of at the line of scrimmage. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I'm not criticizing him for that. He was right. Like, the, the, he got the look and went away from it. But the point is—
0: yeah, the look was Vita Veya and JPP. And right. Shaq-
1: but the point is, like, these were called. We were right. planning on running the ball more than we did. Sure. Now, is that the same situation with Russell Wilson? They've actually called a bunch of quick game stuff. That russ Wilson simply ignored even and just, taken yeah. a deeper shot instead
0: even just five-step rhythm throws and stuff like that haven't always been russ's game over time we'll see if they do incorporate that more that's the other thing too i think that for the people who for like the let let russ cook people like just let him chuck it 40 45 times a game i think there's also an element of when he's been limited because so much of his stuff comes off play action and it's deep and it's it plays to his strengths it helps helps make russ look a little bit better because they're playing to his strengths perhaps and not putting maybe as much on his plate but um i'm interested to see what what happens with gino what this offense looks like here's the one other note i'll say coming out of the preseason it sean mannion was running the offense gino was running they, they were throwing to running backs quite a bit that's also not really russ's thing right he likes to feature wide receivers he likes to throw the ball down the field we might get a shorter passing game we might get a little bit more of that because that's what we saw in the preseason but this is the first time russell wilson's missed games man yeah since 2012 career um i always say durability from a quarterback it is it is their availability no it's it's part of their skill set. this was a freak injury you can't avoid like the hand injury when you're going through you know and you follow through your two best abilities are durability and availability durability and availability huh Mm -hmm. your best ability is being good at football Mm. or whatever you're doing is it it is. It is. Okay. That's your best ability. That's what helps the team the most. I mean, that's not what the,
1: uh, the saying goes. No, It's, it's not, not, not a good goes. saying.
0: Talent, talent beats availability. The best ability is just being good? Just being good. Hmm. Being better than everybody at quarterback. Um, Russ has done a really good job, though, is what I'm saying, of staying healthy throughout his career, obviously. But he knows how to not take big hits, and he could play his style without really putting himself in danger.
1: Right up until the mallet
0: finger. So then... You get a little mallet finger. It <clears throat> means you're going to throw 100-mile-an-hour lasers at people's knees. No. Like Ryan Mallett. Okay. That's yeah. what it means, right? All right, let's get to Thursday Night Football. People will ask, why don't you preview Thursday Night Football? The people the people are asking. But it's because uh, we do it here on the Wednesday midday show. When midweek show.
1: What? When we remember. When
0: we remember. Or when it's a decent enough game. So Bucks and uh, Eagles, it's in Philadelphia. Uh, Bucks coming off a 45-17 to win against the Miami Dolphins. The Eagles coming off a comeback win against uh, another NFC South team, the Carolina Panthers uh staying staying alive in the uh, NFC East Eagles at two and three. What do you make of, of this game here on Thursday night?
1: Um I think it's an interesting game. Like the Eagles I think are clearly a better side than a lot of people thought they would be before the season, but they also have a lot of variance packed in there where it can go it can go quite extreme in either direction. Like I think if they if Jalen Hurts has a high end game, which I'm actually more confident in being within his range of outcomes than I was a year ago, where I was like, yeah, I mean, there'll be some high-end plays, but I'm not sure he's even capable of a high-end game, like all together. I think he is capable of those now, um, but they kind of need him to string one of those together for them to actually beat a team like Tampa Bay or even just, you know, most good teams in the NFL. And there's so many of those plays that he's been leaving on the table the last few weeks. You know, week one was incredible, but it was against the Atlanta Falcons defense. Since then, he's left a bunch of those plays on the table. And if they hit on them, like they've had a bunch of bombs to um, Devontae Smith that he hasn't connected on. He's missed Jalen Rager a couple of times. There have been a huge amount of plays. And those field-flipping plays that we talk about with Lamar Jackson, if he hits on a few more of those, suddenly the Eagles become way more dangerous to to anybody, but particularly a team like Tampa Bay who've been banged up with their uh, secondary.
0: Yeah, Tampa Bay is coverage grade just continues to drop they're down to 14th now in the NFL
1: but they're finally getting some of those players back like Jamel Dean is full participant in practice should be getting back that will help
0: yeah it should help they've they've faced um I saw people talking about this too I mean the Bucks are on pace to give up the fewest rushing yards like in NFL history
1: despite the 17th game
0: despite the 17th game and the Eagles as much as I thought they were going to be the high floor Jalen Hurts in the run game type of offense they've part of its game flow having to play catch up against the Cowboys and the Chiefs and last week against the Panthers they've had to play from behind but it's been a really pass-centric offense in Philadelphia so you're probably going to see more of that I do think that is the way to attack the Bucs you know the reason why Dak was checking out of those checking out of those plays is the Bucks like to pack the box make you throw the ball out on the perimeter um, so it's it's going to be hey Jalen go win this you know forty forty 40 dropbacks go ahead and, and win this game and uh, again, he's been a little up and down. Like, he had week one where he picked apart the Falcons defense, had some. Um, but even in, the, say, the Chiefs game, he left a lot of plays on the table, but he kind of facilitated that comeback against a bad Chiefs defense, but he still had to make those throws, make those plays. So I'm interested in, in Hurts and his development and what he does against a, t- a Bucks team that's going to make him beat them, basically.
1: Yeah, I do think that when Philadelphia gets their entire offensive line back and healthy – they are a much different team. Like, that gives them such a better platform to be able to run the ball more, to be able to keep um, Jalen Hurts collected and calm and unmolested in the pocket. Um, they've, like, they, right away, like the first week, first couple of weeks of the season, that offensive line looked incredible, and then injuries started to hit, and they've had to reshuffle and move guys around, and it's not as good when they have to do that. So, I think they'll still be without a couple of them, or at least one of them, in this game the sooner they can get that back to 100% healthy, I think that materially changes how good the Philadelphia Eagles offense is.
0: On the other side of the ball, uh, you mentioned earlier, Brady, top-graded quarterback so far this season. Uh, so he's thrown the ball really well. He's been great. Uh, he also has the number two grade against zone defense, 93.2 passing grade so far this year, and that is what the Eagles play. They have brought in a defense that plays uh, something like 7 or 8% of their snaps or man coverage. So as little man coverage as any team in the league, which is probably smart against the Bucs anyway with all their weapons, uh, but it is going to be one of those games where the the Eagles have been picked apart defensively in in several games this year, in at least two or three games. Two games? Probably the Chiefs and the Cowboys mostly. But Brady will have those opportunities. It's going to come down to can the Eagles put pressure on them because that's their strategy. We're going to rush four. They got the number three pass rush grade in the league. It's a consistent – that's the one thing that's remained the same in philadelphia is the defensive line can still get after it
1: you think losing that game against the rams was actually a really good thing for tampa bay kind of like took a ton of pressure off and almost sort of sent them under everybody's radar it's like ah the rams are now the team to beat in the nfc and the defending super bowl champions are banged up and we don't need to sort of pay too much attention to them right now and all of a sudden okay so you then you scrape by the patriots in a bad weather game right and yeah you know a a bad weather game and a game where Bill Belichick and the defensive mastermind that he is had to have been massively invested in trying to do everything humanly possible to slow you down. So the fact that they just got that win, I don't even care that it was a close game. Let's just put that one to the side. We then absolutely wax the Miami Dolphins the next week. Now you've got Philadelphia, Chicago's after that. Like they could start absolutely steamrolling their schedule. And all of a sudden, you know, we wake up two-thirds of the way through the season, the Bucks are like 10 and 11, or, or 10 or 11 and 1, and their one hiccup was like a game against the Rams, who played they're really being, well.
0: They're being a little slept on just a little bit. Yeah, I think there's, I mean, it's really tough to go undefeated, man. It's really tough. And even the 7 Patriots who go 16 and 0 in the regular season, as, as Patriot-way as they are and as focused as they are, like the pressure of just going undefeated got to them at one point so it, you're gonna lose at some point it's okay to lose a game and I think that's why I still after the Rams game said the Bucks are probably the best team in the NFC at the end of the at the end of the day and I think they will be uh, unless they beat themselves you know unless Brady slows down they have injuries offensively or if that's secondary gets so depleted and so hurt that it comes back to bite. But like you said, some of those injuries,
1: yeah, you know, I mean, that, they're so coming back. That's gonna end up being a strength because those guys are already coming back now and you bolstered it with Richard Sherman, who is a pretty good emergency, you know, insurance policy.
0: Still trying to get his football legs under him. Right,
1: and even if he never gets those back, like even if he doesn't get back to being anything like the same player he was before, it's still a lot better than like turning to some guy you just activated off the practice squad from nowhere like sherman's experience and savvy and knowledge is going to take him a long way in an important game versus a guy that just isn't up to that level
0: the one other piece here for the box uh, i don't think uh, grok grok they're they're flying uh they're they're flying out there today i believe it is so that he's like a is he on the plane
1: did not participate in practice the last report probably isn't gonna play
0: probably isn't gonna play right he's got the cracked ribs they've actually run the ball better and more efficiently the last couple weeks Leonard Fournette looked decent these last couple weeks he's actually forcing a few missed tackles I don't know if that we don't want to overrate a couple games but he just looks a little bit better it's an added weapon because he has been so clunky catching the football but Brady trusts him and it's just another you know yeah, you want to throw the ball to Antonio Brown, Mike Evans, and Chris Godwin and everybody, but it's just more... That's why Brady threw for 400 yards and 25 first downs the other day because Fournette was a part of it as well. So the Bucs could be getting even more dangerous here.
1: It's also a really fun matchup in the trenches between Philadelphia's defense and, and Tampa Bay's offensive line, yes. which has been a good unit. Um, Philadelphia's defense has been really good as well. Like the Brandon Graham obviously gets injured. Fletcher Cox, I think, is kind of on the way out at this point, but... Those guys are being replaced by the players that they've sort of stockpiled in recent years. Javon Hargrave is playing out of his mind right now um, in that kind of Fletcher Cox power rusher type of role. Josh Sweat has 13 total pressures and a really good pass rushing grade right now as well. Like they've got players that are generating pressure, like Derek Barnett. Derek Barnett is in the world of uh, like Harold Landry. Both those guys kind of disappointing compared to what we thought they would be in the nfl and yet both just continue to kind of truck along and get a ton of pressure without ever grading well not quite sure how they achieve that um but they're getting pressure from a a lot of different sources at this point and making an impact up front
0: by all accounts that's the eagle strategy has been pretty consistent though right we're going to play zone defense we're going to make you uh we're going to try to avoid giving up big plays continue to earn it you know going down the field and trusting that defensive front to win so that battle will be huge if the eagles do end up getting to that even a 30 percent pressure rate on brady 30 35 pressure rate on brady then they might have they might have a shot here uh i do like the bucks to win you know i think they're a, they're a much better team i didn't get the line on this one just yet did you get the line on this uh i will click on it now uh, seven seven on the road bucks on the road thursday night game that the home team generally has a chance to keep these things a little bit closer than expected, right? When they're big underdogs, Philadelphia could keep it close in cover.
1: Yeah, the number two team against the number twenty-six team in PFF's power rankings. Uh, defense Tied for
0: first, Bucks actually.
1: Okay, defense is a lot closer. Uh, their offense, it's one against eighteen. I think ultimately, like Philadelphia might keep it close for a while. I then think Tampa Bay pulls away and covers the seven.
0: All right, give me Bucks. Bucks win in cover as well. Uh, Brady's got a banged up thumb but he should be full go should be fine hit it he had another that was three quarterbacks Russ Stafford same game and then Brady all hit their hand on a defender uh, Russ obviously the worst with the mallet finger the mallet finger get the mallet finger alright we're gonna wrap it up with uh, we had a question where did this oh we do have breaking news actually oh yeah uh, Paul Gutierrez from ESPN just spoke with Raiders owner Mark Davis he says I have no comments ask the NFL they have all the answers uh, that was the quote but the other part of this tweet that is significant and answers our question earlier also confirmed that Mike Mayock remains GM and now has 51% control of roster decisions. What? With interim coach, uh, is it Rick Rich uh, Basaccia?
1: How do you determine a 51%? What?
0: <laughs> what? Well, because what you, the old breakdown was, Gruden was 51%. Okay, but Mayock...
1: 51 is a hundred in this scenario. Like it, this is. Yeah, it's like owner. It's like ownership. That. No, it isn't like ownership because you can sell. just
0: earned two new percentage points here. From 4 he goes from 49% control to 51%.
1: That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. It, this what if is not he just
0: starts cutting.
1: This is not a percentage thing. This is a binary do you have final it's say or, or not? Yes or no. So like, it sounds like yes Mayock. I do. That's 100% of the decision making ability. Like Rich might be able to chip in and throw his opinion in he there. He can but chip in forty-nine percent of the opinion, right? But ultimately, I'm going to say, "Sorry, we're doing it my way." Like that, there's no 51-49 in decision making and personnel in the NFL. There is, do you have final say or not? So Gruden, yes or no.
0: So what this tells us is it confirms what we had, what we all knew. Gruden did. He had fifty only fifty-one percent. Sam didn't have a hundred. Only
1: fifty-one percent. Okay.
0: Gruden had final say, and now Mike Mayock has final say right on roster decisions
1: okay i already knew that and i'm not buying any of the additional information which is 5149 you don't care about a, the
0: 5149 well i care about it in terms of it's absurd it's just yay or nay what does 51 percent mean because if you sell sh- shares you only get 51 you're not 100 you have 51
1: yeah the way it differs from you know shares in a company is you can sell those and it makes a material difference it's not, the
0: decision-making part is the same. Maybe Mayock can sell some of his decision-making power. You along, think? You know, like if his daughter, Leo wants 10%, he could throw it to her. Then he'd lose power. Yeah. But the Mayox would still have power Okay, over Rich. Yes. Anyway, Mayock's making the decisions the Raiders uh, thanks to everybody on YouTube give us that thumbs up don't forget it helps it go viral we're gonna answer uh, where did this question come from it's about cornerback run defense
1: it came from the email box that we want people to send mail to um, NFL podcast at pff.com I can't locate it right now though so I don't know who sent it to us so apologies for losing your name uh, but some guy basically emailed saying look in this world of passing is king and coverage and all nobody cares about the run game anymore so should we be waiting run defense for cornerbacks less than we currently do? Like, why is it, why is it a, a why is it such, still say such a powerful element of cornerbacks overall grade? And it's not like clearly we wait towards coverage, right. but it does make a difference. And the reason it makes a difference is we dug into this. If on any play where a cornerback gets a minus one grade in the run game, the average carry goes 13 and a half yards the average one and that's just on any play where a corner is getting a minus one not even which is, like which is a
0: rare play by the way yes
1: but. they don't happen very often but the point is like it does it matter if my cornerback is antoine winfield eh, not hugely does it matter if my cornerback is jumping out of his gap or getting pancaked or bailing or missing tackles in the run game yes quite significantly because anytime he does that it's averaging 13 and a half yards and if it's averaging 13 and a half yards you know bear in mind short yardage and all those kinds of things It's going to have a lot of big plays in there so those are important plays you need a cornerback to be able to keep his head above water in like you don't need him to be a dominant run defender but you can not have him just being a complete catastrophe out there
0: yeah that's uh, that's the big part right when they're rare plays but uh, offensive coordinators spend a lot of time uh the bucks are a good example of this they run a lot of duo and the whole point of duo is to get your running back isolated on a corner. I mean, a lot of run concepts are like, all right, I don't care what happens in the middle here. If you bounce it out, you're isolated on a corner. That's a win for the offense because you're yeah. going to juke him and average 13 yards per carry. That's the whole point. So you want a corner out there who's at least going to hold his own. And a minus one grade for us in run defense is when you lose contain or you you whiff on a tackle, to not to the leverage of the defense, but you know completely whiff or whatever it is. So they are bad plays. They might happen rarely, but... They're big plays, as we said, 13 yards per carry when a cornerback has a minus one. And uh, think about that. if You know, giving up 13 yards per catch would be pretty significant. Most corners give up less than that. So when they have a bad play in the run game, it is as significant as a poor play in coverage, even though they just happen a lot less. Yep. So there you go. Good show, man. We're right around an hour. That's perfect.
1: Tyler tells me there was uh, some Sam Monson for Raiders head coach talk going on the YouTube chat really i'm in if i can if i get mark davis's new house i'd, I'd do it for that
0: would you need uh 51 control to take that job or you just want the house
1: i'm okay with 49 percent. may i can uh
0: even though it's really zero percent
1: yeah i'm just I, I just i'm just gonna go out there and coach steve i'm gonna take the ingredients i'm given i'm gonna cook up something special
0: what would you cook up with this with uh now i'm curious you're gonna run my coverage scheme that i talked about just no god no cover the no we want, we want to win you don't want to cover the heat map?
1: I don't want to, no. I don't you want like
0: to. Gus Bradley's uh, cover three variations here?
1: I don't want to take input from you. Okay. I you feel know. that would be disadvantageous to us winning games.
0: What would you do with Damon Arnett with your 49%? Cut him. Yeah. <laughs> your 49% decision? Uh-huh. What, if, uh, what if Mayock says, well, I'm not cutting him?
1: Well, you see, you have a, I would, I would appeal to Mike. He's 49% cut. <laughs> I would appeal to Mike that, look, this is a rare opportunity to be able to get rid of all the dead weight and blame it on the other guy. That doesn't come around very often, right? Like,
0: usually you're stuck with what you got. So a power like, move by We group, can clear like, house here and blame somebody else. And buy himself, like, even, if, even if he wanted all these players. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Look, get rid of everybody.
1: Mike's going to come in and he's going to say, look, that was actually my guy. Like, that was my call. My, look, look, Mike, shh. nobody else needs to know that. Yes. Like, we can right. cut his ass tomorrow and just blame the last guy in the building. They don't need to know that you were the one pushing this.
0: That's what you would do. That's what I
1: do, like face to face. Like, look, Mike, let me, let me,
0: let me get you. So Mayock's going to buy himself three or four more years here Mm -hmm. by putting all the blame on Gruden. Yeah,
1: never mentioning it by name because that would be classless. You have to like insinuate it. Like, look, look, we were dealt. Some mistakes were made in the past, and we're going to move on past those mistakes. We're not going to point fingers, but this is all about moving forward now. And to do that, we have to cut all these guys that suck.
0: I appreciate that you're my podcast partner. I know you'd never hang me out to dry. (laughs) just want four, 51% control of the podcast. I'm willing then... to
1: give you 51%. I'm just going to light you up behind your back. That's how it works.
0: Yeah, I can tell. <laughs> Pretty stand-up guy you are here, Sam. Things went wrong on the podcast. Oh, yeah, that was uh, that was all Steve's fault. Yeah. No,
1: no, no. You don't mention my name.
0: Oh, don't do it. Oh, yeah, do it tactfully. Mistakes
1: were made, but...
0: Uh... Tall guy. Tall guy with the oversized <laughs> shirt, and he, he did it. All
1: right. His, I mean, look, mistakes were made. I'm just going to say I, 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 didn't, I only have 49% of control, so evidently the mistakes were made by somebody that has a larger <laughs> control than that.
0: Look, I love our Wednesday show. We hope you do too. Thanks to everybody for tuning in. We'll be back here tomorrow previewing all of the week six action. And uh, don't forget, we've got 25% off any PFF subscription for you. It's NFL Pod, NFL P O D. Go to PFF.com right now, type in the promo code, get your 25% off. Don't know how long we'll have this. This could be the last day that we have it. I'm going to tease that every single time. It's always going to be the last day that we have it. Smart. Anyway, thanks to everybody for tuning in. We'll see you guys tomorrow.